Welcome to the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter in the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 4. Let us fear, therefore, lest perhaps any one of you should seem to have come short of a promise of entering into his rest. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, even as they also did. But the word they heard didn't profit them, because it wasn't mixed with faith by those who heard. For we who have believed do enter into that rest, even as he said, As I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said this somewhere about the seventh day. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, they will not enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some should enter therein, and they to whom the good news was before preached failed to enter in because of disobedience, he again defines a certain day, today, saying through David so long a time afterward, just as has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, and don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken afterward of another day. There remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore give diligence to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and is able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There is no creature that is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and laid open before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Having then a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold tightly to our confession. For we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one who has been in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in time of need. Today we are in chapter 4 of Hebrews. In chapter 3, the writer warns against unbelief. He urges us not to harden our hearts as Israel did in the day of rebellion. Because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter that rest which God had promised. They weren't able to go into the land of Canaan. They got so close, but they didn't enter in. In chapter 4, we are reminded that there still remains a rest for God's people. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. What does it mean to find rest in God? The ultimate rest for those who have found it in Christ is that we're not working for our salvation. We learn from Romans chapter 4, speaking of working for your salvation, it says, Now to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So we can find a righteousness from God through faith in Him. Or Philippians chapter 3 tells us that it's a righteousness that's not our own, not from the law, but through faith in Christ. 
the writer here in Hebrews chapter 4 is challenging the Jewish Christians or the ones who professed to be Christians who had this background of Judaism. They needed to reflect. They needed to be introspective and really consider whether they had arrived at that rest. Again, the temptation was for those Jewish Christians to continue to operate under the parameters of the Mosaic observance in regards to the animal sacrificial system, trusting perhaps in the pomp, the familiarity, and the traditions of the old to bring them rest. Maybe some of them weren't entering that rest that they could have in Christ because they hadn't truly rested from their works. They weren't fully trusting in Jesus. No, it says that the gospel was preached to them as it was to us, but the message didn't benefit them at all because they didn't hear it with faith. They weren't united in faith. They didn't mix what they had heard, the word, with faith. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3 uses the phrase, hearing with faith. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Or in Ephesians 1.13, Paul says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Jesus, so there's this combination of hearing or believing, or when Peter preached to the Gentile household of Cornelius, they received the Holy Spirit because they heard the preaching of the gospel. And it says that when they heard what Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on those who believed. Hearing with faith. Or Paul emphasizes in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. It is so important for us and others to be exposed to God's word so that we can enter into that rest but it's not enough to simply hear the word. We have to respond to that with faith. God doesn't want us to fall short of that wonderful and abundant promise we can experience in the Christian life. Like the Israelites made it so far and then fell short right at the finish line. Maybe that term fall short could be a reference to the Grecian games as well. It wasn't good enough to run the entire race and then quit right at the end. You wanted to finish strong. Israel makes it all the way to the border of the promised land. They had been delivered out of Egypt, but they didn't want to receive the wonderful promises that God had for them, the abundant life, the rest that God had prepared for them. And it was because of unbelief. We see the writer here in Hebrews chapter 4 making reference to Genesis 2-2, where God rested from his works. Now, why was God able to rest from his works? Well, first of all, it says that he saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And it also says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. So what God had created was good and it was finished. And so he rested. Jesus says that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. So there's a wonderful concept in the idea of resting. But in a bigger sense, we truly enter into God's rest by trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Just as God finished his work of creation and it was good and it was finished, and so he rested. So Jesus finished his work on the cross. In John 19.30 says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So when Jesus said, it is finished, the payment for our sins was complete. It was done and it is good. And because the work for our salvation is complete, Jesus has sat down on the right hand of God. Now the writer's going to appeal to Psalm 95 verses 7 through 8 to prove that there's still a rest remaining for God's people to enter. So the rest that was ushered in to that second generation through Joshua wasn't the end-all be-all. It says here in Hebrews chapter 4, For if Joshua had given them rest, 
then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now the name Joshua in Hebrew is Yeshua, the same name for Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus is like an Anglican rendering of that word. So Joshua is no doubt a type for Jesus and that Moses wasn't able to bring them into the promised land, into Canaan, and they weren't able to find that rest. But Yeshua, Joshua, he was able to bring them into the promised land. So this is kind of like an allegory. In some sense, Moses represented the law, but the law wasn't able to bring the people into God's rest. In fact, the Apostle Paul teaches that the law brings wrath. By works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. But we enter that rest through Yeshua, Jesus. Hebrews 4.10, For he who has entered into his rest has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. Again, going back to Genesis 2.2, God rested from his works. We rest from our works because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's no longer any place for works as a basis for our own righteousness. In fact, works could never truly make us righteous. It's interesting that Hebrews challenges us to be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. You think resting would be the easy part, right? <laughs> Who would rather work than rest? And yet that is so challenging for us as that goes against so many things that have been ingrained into us. And look, having a good work ethic, that's great. And we should work hard and that's the way this world works. The laborer is worthy of his hire. And so we try to take that concept of you work, you get paid, translate that over to salvation. So we have to labor to enter the rest of Christ, cease from trying to impress God, cease from trying to earn salvation, and simply receive the rest that God offers to us in Christ. And what happens when we don't rest in God and we try to do things on our own? It's always going to end up being a disaster especially in regards to our salvation, right? If we approach God someday like Jesus warns about in Matthew 7, in that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And how does Jesus respond to them? He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. We look at the initial generation of Israel in the wilderness and the disaster of them because of their unbelief falling because they did not believe, they did not enter into that rest. Their bodies perished in the wilderness. And for those who try to approach God based on their works and their righteousness, that will also end in disaster. Jesus will say to those people, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What do we deserve? All sinners deserve to have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. You wanna talk about earning a reward? If you're trying to work for something in the afterlife, guess what we're earning here? We're earning death, spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. Guys, the word of God is what changed my life. The power of God's word. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes on to say that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The Word of God has so many functions, and one of them is to expose our sin. How can we enter into God's rest if we don't think that we need rest? How can we enter into salvation if we don't think that we need to be saved? So the first step is God's Word through the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin, 
righteousness, and of judgment. And we see this interconnectedness here with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is living and active. What does Jesus say in John 6, 63 about his Word? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So God's Word exposes our sin, convicts us. It has healing power. It cleanses us, keeps us from sin. It counsels us. It's a source of strength, life, and power. And His Word gives peace to those who love it. John 5, 24. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. You see, God's word doesn't only contain the law which convicts us of sin, it also contains the good news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and was raised on the third day, and that we can enter the rest that God has given for us by simply trusting in what Jesus did for us on our behalf, believing in him. So this last segment in Hebrews chapter four, starting in verse 14, is going to focus on Jesus as our great high priest. Let's look at the context. The verse preceding verse 14, no creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So in light of that, in light of the fact that we're exposed before God, we're naked before God, and outside of the grace of God, that's bad news for us because what's there is our sin. But in light of this, the good news is that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what? So we're naked before God. Well, guess what? There is a covering. It's the blood of Christ. It's His righteousness through our faith in what He did for us. And because of that possibility, because of the door that's been opened for us through Christ, we can approach with confidence this throne of grace, with boldness, and we can receive two things, mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, for example, death and hell. And we can also get grace. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve, for example, eternal life. Even though the Word of God exposes our sin before a just, holy, and righteous God, there's good news. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. We have an advocate with the Father, someone interceding on our behalf, someone who's going to mediate for us. So here are some things that are unique about the description of this high priest, Jesus, here in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Jesus is our great high priest. None of the fallible men, high priests of the old covenant, were ever called great. Jesus says, call no one good but God alone. This high priest passed through the heavens. The high priests of the old Mosaic covenant, they never passed through the heavens. They went into earthly tabernacles made with hands, which were representations of the true. But Jesus went into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. He also mentions that this high priest is the son of God. None of those high priests were the son of God. This high priest is the one and only son of God. These attributes of Jesus as our high priest should certainly give us confidence and boldness that we can approach the throne of grace because of him.
Come to me from the Adams Road album, Book of Life.
That was Triumph from the Adams Road Piano DVD, Hands for War. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at adamsroadministry.com. Again, that's adamsroadministry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 5. Grace and peace be with you all.